Now, good morning. And uh, we're, we're diving back into Luke again in our series on encountering Jesus. And uh, I want to start by, you know, by something that happened about 60 years ago. And uh, I, I was young in the faith. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't know much about the Bible. I still thought Hezekiah was a book in the Bible. And, and, uh, and, and our mentor, right? We had a mentor. We, we didn't use that term in those days. That's a relatively recent term, but he, he was our mentor and, and, um, went over to his house and he had a missionary there. By the way, I ran that, I remembered his name and I ran that missionary down this week and he lasted two years on the mission field. So he said something that stayed with me for a long time. He said, if I pray about something more than once, it's a lack of faith. Was he right? Let's find out. Turn your Bibles to Luke 18. You know, each one of us has some profound desire that we haven't received an answer yet. Or at least we haven't gotten the desired answer. So we pray about it again and again. And I, and I ask myself, why haven't I received an answer? You know, when I pray about something over and over again, and, and, I, and I don't get an answer, you know, some people think maybe it's a lack of faith. Or, is there a hidden sin in my life? Or, some people actually believe this, God is after me. He's punishing me for something I have done. That's why he hasn't answered this prayer. That's why we want to uh, address this subject encountering in this Encountering Jesus series. What Jesus has to say about persistence in prayer. So let's read here in Luke 18, 1 to 8. Now, by the way, I'm running my own PowerPoints today. This is another consequence of the women's retreat. My wife isn't here. I'm running them. So, one day Jesus told his disciples a story. Now, this is out of the New Living Translation. This is a story, a parable, so I thought we'd read it on the NLT, you know, because it reads so much better. But it's a parable to show that they should always pray and never give up. Other, other uh, versions say, or lose heart. Now, when we're looking, as, as, as we begin to work on a message, at least I do, I'm always looking for what might be the big idea. I call it, as Isaiah knows, I call it the proposition. And, and, but this is the first place I've ever seen where Jesus himself gives the big idea. I mean, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. It's right there. So, it's a parable. Now, what is a parable? Parable is literally something that means to cast alongside something else. Jesus' parables were stories that were put alongside a truth in order to illustrate the truth. His parables were sort of like teaching aids that can be thought of as of inspired comparisons. 
It was something that the listeners, listeners could identify with in their own culture that would make the truth exceptionally clear. The truth is what we always pray for and never give up. That's the truth here in this one. We have doubts. We have misgivings. Jesus knows that. So he uses a parable to teach us this truth. Now, let's go on. Verse 2. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God or cared about people. A widow, now we'll talk about widows in a moment. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Doesn't say what the dispute was, so it's not important. The judge ignored her for a while and finally said to himself, you know, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Now, it's interesting, even though he did not fear God or care about people, he still knew what justice looked like. Then the Lord said, verse 6, Learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely keep justice, give justice to his chosen people who cried out to him night and day? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth to have faith? Now, so... Let's go straight to the main idea here. To always pray and never give up, we must, number one, understand the importance of the characters of this parable. There are two, a widow and a judge. Let's start with the widow. In the New Testament, the widow is a symbol of someone totally without help. According to Jewish law, widows deserved special protection under the justice system. Let's take a look at Exodus 22. You notice I did it. I advanced it. We're good so far. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. My wife will be proud of me. Now, you must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you, and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. Exodus 22, 22 to 24. You know, I'm, I'm on the board of directors of, a, of an orphanage in Central America, and our main theme is in J- James 127, where it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And then Psalm 68, 5 says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God, whose dwelling is holy. So, conclusion. My conclusion. The widow here was the least likely to receive justice and help. She had, number one, the rightness of her cause, and number two, she had persistence. It says she kept coming, persistence. You know what she didn't have? She didn't have a lawyer. 
to plead her case. Or she didn't have a bribe to deepen the sensitivity of the judge. Proverbs 17.23 says something very interesting. The wicked take secret bribes to pervert the course of justice. So that's the widow. We also have the judge now, who neither feared God or cared about people. You know, it's interesting because God is the ultimate lawgiver, and and people put this judge in the office, but the judge didn't care about either of them. He didn't care about God or about people. But he didn't care about keeping the law. So, my conclusion, this was the person least likely to be sensitive or moved by the plight of the widow. Now, notice the judge didn't give in easily. He refused for a while. The judge, it says in verse 4, ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, you know, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. You know, it took two things. It took time and it took persistence. That's what it took. Now, remember, his verdict was not based upon judges, justice or the fear of God. It was the persistence of the widow that finally motivated the judge to give a verdict. It's interesting, just a side note here, where it says wearing you out. In Greek, it really actually can mean that you don't give me a knockout blow. It was, it was used, quite have been used in jujitsu, you know that? Quite a, hmm? oh. So, let's do a quick comparison between the judge and God. You know, the judge was unjust, and God is righteous. The judge here is the least likely person to give justice to the widow. God is the most likely person to give justice to the widow. The judge was an egotist. God is a generous God. The judge was worldly. He didn't fear God or care about people. God is righteous and just. He loves and cares about people. He even loves the judge. The judge... Gay delayed out of indifference. God delays out of love. He knows why. Now, last week we were coming to church and I had one of the Christian stations on on the in my car out of Pandora. And a a song came on and one of one of the lines said this. When God is silent, he is working. I thought to my, I looked at Gail, you know, and, and she looked back at me, you know, and I said, you know, that is so true. He gave, the judge gave in so as not to be worn out or get the knockout blow. God answers so our joy may be full. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask so that you will receive so your joy may be full. Matthew 7. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So, second, to pray, always pray and never give up, or or to lose heart, we must understand that persistence in prayer is biblical. 
So I want to read a couple of passages here. And the first one is out of Luke 11. I'll put it up on the screen. Luke 11, 5 to 11. Then, teaching them more about prayer. Very interesting. Teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking. Now, the the NLT has picked up here a, a part of the Greek. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you. For everyone who knocks, who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Now, also, Christ himself practiced persistence. Can I read another passage here? It's... It's, it's out of Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Have you ever been to the Holy Land? You ever stood there in the olive grove and looked across? I remember we were standing there looking across at, at, at Jerusalem. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you, you watch with me even for an hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. But he returned to them again. He found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Has that ever happened to you? Couldn't keep your eyes open? It's bad when you're driving. Trust me. So he went a third time to pray, saying the same things again. Then he came to his disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up! Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Three times Jesus prayed the same prayer. So it's not a lack of faith to seek God's will in your prayers over and over. Jesus did it. Next, to always pray and never give up or lose heart, we must contrast, I think, persistence with something called vain repetition. Now, where do we get the, the, the idea of vain repetition? It comes from the King James. 
Remember when the days when we used to read, read the King James? And uh, it was Matthew 6. Let, let me put it up there. But when you pray, well, sorry, but when ye pray, it is the King James. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Vain repetitions. Now I'm going to read it in the NLT. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. Now, let's begin with what it says up there, other religions. And I was checking, you know, and, and the Muslims, in their prayers, they repeat the same phrase over and over. And I think if I remember right, it's 17 times. And have you ever been to Amsterdam in Holland? If you are, you need to go to the, you need to go to the train station. Is that an interesting place? And last time I was there, I, I was at the train station and there were some Hare Krishna there and they were chanting the same phrase over and over. In fact, it's a 16 word mantra. The Jews have Shema, which they repeat twice a day. It's Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 11 and Numbers 15. What is in fact Vain repetition. It's something that's routine. It's when the form or the time in prayer is more important than the content of the prayer. It's it's when what other people think about your prayers is more important than what God thinks. Persistence in prayer is not vain repetition. Then, our fourth point today, to always pray and never give up or lose heart, we must understand the reasons for persistence. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not to wear God out like the judge. You know, we just can't wear, wear God out. Listen to Isaiah 40 for a second. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And it also cannot be the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's not that. Or it's not a magic formula where you're looking for the right words that obliges God to answer then why be persistent? I think there's some reasons. I think it's this. Persistence obtains God's perspective regarding an issue. You know, when we begin to pray, we have, we, we have one way of looking at things. And I, I'm running into trouble here because I know I can't, I can't pronounce this word. God is multifaceted. How do, did I do it? Good? Okay. Multifacetito in Spanish. So, the first time we go to God regarding an issue, we tend to see things only our own 
way, not his ways. As we are persistent, we begin to get God's perspective. You know, I, uh, I was talking to a couple of you. I, I was supposed to leave for Cuba, for Santiago de Cuba, and, and, um, on Wednesday. And we, we didn't feel comfortable getting our tickets to go to Cuba without having our visas in our hands. And I've been there many times, and this is the first time on Friday, which was, what, two days ago, we found out that our visas had been denied. They've been denied. We don't know what, what's going on. You know that we had 400 people waiting for us in two cities for conferences in Santiago and Olguin. And uh, I was there to give conferences in the morning and then uh, interpret into Spanish for uh, another fellow who was going to be there in, in two cities. You know what we're going to do? We're going to continue to seek God persistently about this opportunity. Right now we're confused. But the more we pray, the confusion will clear up. I'm convinced of that. So stay tuned. Next, persistence examines to see if our requests are biblical. A guy came to me, not, well, it was, it was a while ago, and he was, he was discouraged. He really was. Because he'd asked God to give him the lottery. True story. And he didn't get it. He didn't get it. You know, if he would have been persistent in his prayers, he probably would have realized he looked for God's will, or maybe sometimes that your, your, your requests aren't even biblical. Next, persistence purifies our motives and separates profound desires from passing fancies. So, some people that, that we know, good friends, they, they were praying about a new house. And they, and they consider, and we prayed with them. New house, new house, keep praying. And finally, the guy came to me and said, you know what? The more we prayed about, we realized we don't need a new house. We're just trying to keep up with our friends. Persistence. Next, persistence prepares us for the correct use of the answer. You know, many times we're not ready for the answer when we first pray about something. Through persistence, we learn how to be prepared for that answer when God gives it. So many people, oh, I'm so, and this happened last week, actually. I am so discouraged because I prayed and prayed for God to give me that person. Marriage. And it hasn't happened. And I said, are you marriageable? I mean, what have you done? What Are you prepared spiritually? Are you prepared economically? Are you prepared uh, uh, emotionally to be married? Next. Persistence develops faith. When we're not persistent uh, in prayer and we don't receive an answer, you know, there's a lot of things can happen to us. Number one, it makes us think God's angry with us for not answering. We tend to lose faith. We come, some people become fatalistic and they give up too early without being persistent. Well, it must not be God's will. And when God does answer, when you haven't prayed about it or haven't been persistent, you know, was that just the circumstances or did God really answer? 
Next, persistence will develop a deep relationship with God. As you struggle with God to get his perspective, will you get ready for the answer to see if it's really biblical or not? You're developing a beautiful relationship with the Father. You know, if we're persistent, um, we will not be praying just about whims. We will not be involved in vain repetitions. We will obtain God's perspective. We will have the right motives. And we will have answers. Absolutely. A couple of examples from the Bible. Abraham, he was called a friend of God in James 2.23. He approached God boldly in faith and persistently when he interceded for Sodom. Genesis 18. Jacob fought persistently with the angel of God. I will not allow you to leave unless you bless me. Genesis 32. Now, a question. George Mueller? Yes? Anybody have not heard of George Mueller? You have? Okay. For you, I'm going to explain. And there's a couple more. All right. George Mueller. He was a man of faith and prayer. And really, Dick, wouldn't you say he was one of the founders of the Plymouth Brethren Movement? Yeah, in fact, the Open Brethren. Trace back. Luis Palau used to talk about George Mueller all the time. He was fascinated with him. And he prayed. Mueller prayed for five friends for years. Now, I found this. What I'm going to read now, I found this on the George Mueller website. I'm pretty sure he didn't put it up himself. (laughs) But it's there. Okay. All right. In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health or on land or in sea. And whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed for the others. Five years elapsed when the second was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them. And six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. These other two remained unconverted. Thirty-six years later, he wrote that the other two, sons of one of Mueller's friends, was still not converted. He wrote, But I hope in God, I pray on, and I look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. In 1897, 52 years after he began to pray daily, without interruption for these two men they were finally converted after Mueller's death and uh, I'm still reading off the, the website here he said Mueller understood what Luke meant when he introduced a parable Jesus told about prayer saying Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. 
How many of us have something we're praying about persistently? We are. My wife and I are. Every day. It could be a child's rebellion, health issues, work-related, unsafe friends, relatives. I want to I want to finish with something very personal. And uh, I grew up with uh, five cousins and one brother, so there were seven of us, and we grew up like brothers and sisters. And um, over the years, I I was converted. I'm the only person in my family that I know of, up and down and, and wide, that's ever come to Christ. So my wife and I begin to pray for our cousins, my cousins, every day. And we did that for, well, we have now for over 50 years. And um, I was get I'll admit, I was getting discouraged. I mean, 50 years, wouldn't you get discouraged? <laughs> And um, one day I got an email. One of my cousins keeps everybody informed with emails and things. And said, bad news, really bad news. One of my cousins had died. And, um, and I was really discouraged. Praying for all those years. And here he's off into eternity. So my wife said... You need to go to the funeral. I don't want to go. You need to go. She was insistent. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll go. So I, I called my brother. Are you going to go to the funeral? Yes. So I flew down to where my brother is, and we went together in the car to the funeral to a, um, a, a church uh, that was filled with uh, culturally Italian Catholics. And um, it was it was filled, you know, except for one line of cousins, myself and my cousins, my brother, and my cousin. We were sitting there, you know, and I was getting more discouraged by the minute. I mean, I, I, I could see my posture. I was going down further in, in the chair with with as as the funeral went on. You know, you know what a funeral is, is where you say all the things about the person that he never did. So, and, and it was like that. So, I noticed it was a printed out bulletin, and I noticed in there that a, a guy, I remember his name, was going to say a few commentaries. And I go, what is he going to say? Now, I remember what the crowd was. He walks up, and he says, I got to know Don, that was my cousin's name, about two years ago. And... Um, one of our prayers, maybe this is your prayers for unsaved relatives, was that God, it, it came, it comes out of there's few workers pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more workers. And so we prayed that over and over and over. And um, so he gets up there and he says, you know, I got to know Don about two years ago. And so I, I went over. No, I. You have to recognize what the audience was here. And he said, I asked him, do you know how to pray? Do you pray? Don says, no, I know I never prayed. Never, never. And so I talked to him about prayer. And then uh, Don suffered from um, 
fears. He, the last several years of his life, he never left the house. He was afraid to leave the house. And, uh, he had, he had gripping fears. And so, this guy gave him a Bible. He's telling all this in front of, I'm starting to sit up. And, and so I'd go back to him and I ask, Don, are you reading a Bible? Yes, I've started reading it. Yes, yes, yes. What about prayer? Yes, I'm praying now. Yes, yes, yes. So, and, and I, I'm, I'm making this a little shorter than it really is. But, so I went back to talk to him, this guy said, and, and, and I, and I asked him, you know, how are you doing? And Don said, it's the first time in years I have peace. And now I'm going to quote him word for word. Don, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And I, I'm seeing it. My eyes must have been this far, you know. And Don said, yes, I have. Fifty years, we prayed. So after it was over, I made a beeline for that guy to talk to him, you know. And I walked up to him, and, and uh, I, I, first of all, I wanted to find out what church he was from. It was from the local conservative Baptist church there, and he was the head of missions. And um, so I, I went over there, and I told, you know, asked him a little bit about it, and I told him who I was and everything. And I said, you don't know this, but we've been praying for you for 50 years. Are you sure Don's in heaven? He said, yes, absolutely. Persistence in prayer. Lord, thank you for these moments together. And Lord, we, we just, we know that all of us have some things that we've been praying about. And we come to you again, Lord. We come to you and we know that you're never going to get tired. You love to hear our prayers. And so we pray about that, Lord. We beseech you. We come before you. Oh, Lord. Not only hear our prayers, answer them, Lord. We look for your will as Jesus did. And we expect you to act. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.